There is a series that we've been doing for a while. We're actually getting toward the end of it. But if you're new with us, it doesn't mean you have to try to go back and catch up. But we're in the midst of reading through the book of Acts together, and we're getting toward the tail end. It just gets intenser and tenser as you go through it. But we want you to know that if you are jumping into that, you can go, and there's a, there's a great little booklet put together, a growth guide. You can pick that up and start participating. We're, we're reading scripture, and we're writing out what we're learning, and then we're going to come on Sunday and talk about it, so you don't just show up and go, oh, I don't even know what this is going to be about. Maybe you already know. You've read Acts chapter 20 through 23 already, and you're ready to go. I'm like, well, what's Dan's take on this? What's this going to look like today? You're ready pre- prepared for that, and so you read, take some notes. In fact, your, our notes are available. Uh, you can just scan the screen, or you can go to notes.ctkchurch and grab them. They're, of course, in your program here, and then you take those notes, and then you go to your group, and then the group, that's where you talk about about it a little bit more, and it, it, you start processing, well, what do you think? What do you think? Well, what's the Lord really saying? Because the men are talking about what the Holy Spirit's saying to you, and then you, well, you live it out. Then you actually try to do something with it. So we've been doing that here, and we're, I think it's working it, as we're kind of learning and growing in, in God's Word. Now, next week, because it is Easter, we're taking a break, just one week break. We're going to celebrate the resurrection, and so if you're in week nine, we'll be reading, which will be Acts 4. 24 through 26, you get two weeks to read that. And so just that carries over for the next couple weeks to do that, and then we'll be back, uh, finish up this series this morning. So I want to talk about, you know, as we go into Easter week, it's called Holy Week. And we, when you look at, you're going into the last days of Jesus on the earth, and it intensifies and intensifies and intensifies. Uh, if you actually go to our Facebook page, you'll see today posted on our Facebook uh, a video, actually, just a devotional each day we're doing. One's on Palm Sunday today from our pastor Brady at downtown. The next day will be a different pastor. Next day, a different pastor. And then I think on Tuesday or something. But we did these videos just to help us get our mind and heart prepared as we move into this next week and Easter together. But it's an intense week. And if you read through the, the times of Jesus, what we find is that the words and things Jesus does really matters. How many know what you say Throughout your life can matter, but especially at the end of your life. I don't know if you've thought about that, what you'll, you'll say at the end of your life and the people around you. Now, it, we're going to talk about a little bit of kind of famous last words today. Some of these are famous people with famous last words. Like this one here from the great Frank Sinatra. He said this, at the end of his life, he says, I'm losing it. That was his last words. You're thinking, the guy that's said, you know, you know, I, you know, what do we say, that I did it my way? That was what he ended up with. Interesting, huh? Winston Churchill's the one who said, he said this, I'm bored with it all. Sounds like him, but he, he, he brought a whole, like, whole nation, led them through in World War II and Great Britain and bombings and shellings in London and everything. It's like, at the end of the day, like, what else do I have, right? Uh, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci said this. I mean, this is a master, right? We, we revere his work uh, he created. He says, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Leonardo, you, 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 it's, you, you painted the Mona Lisa, okay? I, I think, we, of course, it probably was appreciated much later. I, I mean, he must not have had a lot of encouragement back then when he was alive, how great a masterpiece he would be. And then I love this one. The old comedian Groucho Marx said, this is no way to live. You can kind of hear him say that. How about this one, Steve Jobs? This is what he said his last hours as he's dying of pancreatic cancer. He says, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. I think, man, Steve, we were wowed by the, the iPhone, and look at where, you, you know, 
kind of interesting. And then this one here, it's, it's better to burn out than fade away. Those are the last words on a suicide note Kurt Cobain wrote down as the grunge singer in Nirvana. And then Mark Twain, I thought this is so good. He says, the, the fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. That's good right there. For that to be going, yeah, what matters? The words that we share really truly matter. And as we think of the last words of Jesus, what he spoke, I want to go to someone else's last words that we read in the book of Acts. Now, it wasn't the very last words, but it was the last words to a group of people the Apostle Paul had spent time with. Paul, in his travels as a missionary, became a church planner. And he planted churches along the, the Middle East, and he stayed with some of these plants. One of them was the church of Ephesus. And he, sp- he spent three years in Ephesus, and God was moving on his heart that he needed to move on, in fact, move back to and go back to his homeland, Israel, in Jerusalem, specifically Jerusalem. And everybody was talking him out of it. Like, Paul, that is a suicide mission. Why would you do that? Why would you go back? No, the Lord was compelling him to go back to this place, even though everybody was saying, don't do it. But he but he, he's ready to do it. He's ready to, to make this step. And here's, here's my question for you. If you were making a farewell speech to people that you would not see again, what would you say? What would be the last, what would, in, in, in a sense, what would really truly matter to what you would say? You think this is like looking in the eyes of your, your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, your, your, the people that you, they look up to you and you've loved and you cared for, that, you know, this is the last hurrah. This is, this is it. Paul, Paul's really conveying this. Like, what he says in this goodbye speech that we're going to look at this morning, I think it has a lot of weight. You know, again, you look at what everybody says and what they do, but it's the last things that can really matter. What really does matter? So Acts chapter 20, we're going to start at verse 18. If you're following along with us here, it says this. It says, when they... When they came to him, the, the, the church, the people here, he, he said to them, you, you yourselves know I've lived among you in the, whole, the whole time from the first day I've set foot into Asia. Now, Asia wasn't China, Japan. It was actually, nowadays, it's like modern-day Turkey. And if you look at a map of the churches that were planned, in fact, there's seven churches we call Asia in the book of Revelation uh, there's more than seven, but there's seven that were specifically laid out that Jesus spoke to that we have. And those were those churches that, that Paul was a part of planning them. And basically, when you read this, he's like, I have some things I want to share with you. In fact, 19, he says, I want to share what burdens me, what matters to me the most that would consider as well as serving the Lord with all humility and with all tears and trials what happened to me through the plot of the Jews. So Paul is saying, I'm just giving my, my blood, my sweat, my tears, I'm giving my energy, I've done everything I know, and in spite of the persecution, in spite of the religious trying to come against me, you know my heart to do this. And I would, I would say that summing up what Paul is really trying to convey, and, and, and really for us, like, what really matters? What is he saying? I, I would say it's this. He says, I think Paul's saying, I, I direct people's attention toward Jesus, not to me. 
I direct my attention toward Jesus, not me. And that, that's a typical, very humble thing we should say. Well, it's not about Jesus. It's not about, it's not about me. It's about, it's about Jesus, right? Yet, how many times we see successful leaders make it about them, make it about the platform, make it about what they're about. Humility is such a, a, a great gift, but it's tricky humility. You don't just get up and you very humble person, right? No one says that, right? Am I humble? Have you ever heard people say, in my humble opinion? Like, well, no, that's not a humble opinion at all. That's kind of a cocky opinion, right? Humility is kind of tricky, but it's kind of interesting, this word humility actually is the word weakness and actually sometimes translated insult. So Paul is using, like, he's taking something that's kind of a negative in their culture to actually say, no, it's a positive thing. He, he makes it a virtue uh, that's there. Why? Because he believes in the core mission, and the core mission is not extraordinary people doing great things for God. No, it's God, a great God doing extra, extraordinary work through very common people just like us. And Paul, Paul makes this emphasis to this and this level of humility he says, I don't, want to, I don't want to be about a guy. I want to be this savior to trust in. Tim Keller, he writes this about humility. He says, humble and weak, and weak, a weak person will show a crucified savior better to a listener than a polished, pulled-together expert. Because that's how it's happening for us. We weren't saved by pulling ourselves together, but by admitting that we're sinners, called on, calling on the one that was pulled apart for us, which we... Remember this week and what Jesus has done for us. So many times we can, we can impress people, right? If we have enough charisma about ourselves or put together on the outside. But I've learned this. You can impress people from afar, but you really only impact people that, you, that, that are close to you. The people that know you the most are the ones, if they're having respect for you, that, doesn't that really truly what matters? A few years ago, when our, our son was 17, we're sitting at the dinner table, and and he, he goes he goes uh, he goes well. Someone asked me like, "What's it like to live with your dad, who's a pastor?" And there's this long pause. I'm not taking a bite. I'm going, "Oh no." He goes, "I don't know. I don't have any dirt on him." <laughs> Can I tell you, to probably my dying day, that's got to be the greatest compliment to have. When you're a 17-year-old boy, you don't really have a filter. You know, there was nobody he was trying to, and I, it meant a lot to me. And, and, and they, they, kids can come up here and share all the things I've done wrong, and I've blown up and got mad at him and stuff. But a lot of times I come back around and go, man, I, I'm sorry I blew up. I'm sorry I got upset. You know, I didn't handle that right. You know, even though you're wrong in what you did, I didn't handle it overreacted, right? And we do that. And I think humility comes with, with confession, too, to be able to say, you know what? I blew it. I, I, it just speaks, doesn't it? When, if you're a leader, if you're a, if you're a person of influence, and, and just even working with a coworker or a family member, you come with that. It just brings a whole level of, of respect. And Paul's, Paul's saying this, I serve the Lord with humility, with tears and trials. And he's just saying, listen, I, I wasn't perfect. I didn't get it all right. See, I think God wants to use the, our point of greatest giftedness. We have very many gifted people in this room and gifted in our community. You, all, you have gifts. Nothing wrong with accentuating using those gifts. But also know that your weakness speaks just as strong and maybe sometimes even stronger when you admit where you're at, where you really are in a place of brokenness and things. And then you see what happens is the Lord shows himself 
and the strength he is and who, who, rather than who we are. Verse 20, Paul goes on in his goodbye speech here. And this is how he goes. He says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching you in public from house to house. And when I read that, I get this sense that Paul, what he's saying here, and I think it's an example for us of what, what really matters is this, that I didn't hold back to, to my generation know the truth. I didn't hold back to, to uh, back my generation to know the truth. And he says that in verse 27 again. And it's like, he's saying, I didn't hold back. I, I, I conveyed to you, you know, you know tears and, 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 and torment times. I, I wanted you to know the gospel. And what's the gospel? Well, it's good news. It's good news. That, that's what gospel means. It was, it was a proclamation, you know, and it was an announcement. And, you know, we, we, I don't know about you, I, you know, how you want the news. Do you want the, the, the good news first or the bad news first? And I always pick the bad news first. I think that's good. Then you rip the Band-Aid off and get to the good news, right? And I think we need to know to get to the good news, you've got to have the bad news. The, the bad news is that without Christ, we will be eternally separated from God. There is a real hell, and it's a hot place. It's a place of torment and pain for those who have rejected Christ. That's the bad news. But what's so great about the bad news is there's good news to that bad news. There, there's this wonderful work that Jesus did that saves us not only from hell, but gives us this opportunity to experience heaven through the work he did on the cross. That is the gospel that we have and that we can hold to. And so with that comes this place of going, okay, I've got this responsibility to proclaim that good news, but what if people don't receive it? What if people don't want it? Well, that's not your problem. Now, we need to be, we, we need to be wise, and we talked about this last week. We, we need to be wise in how we can be. Remember anything like the Bible says, you know, all that. And people are like, I don't believe in the Bible. That doesn't, that's probably not the best, like we talked last week, the best place to start. But you can convey truth to people of what God's done in your life, and you and they get. I think they just get a little curious. Like, okay, tell me, like, well, do you do you want to know? <laughs> Let me tell you. And you get to share your story, and, and like, oh, good for you, bro. That's great, but not for me. Well, you, you're like, oh, they need to know the Lord. Yeah, they do. Keep praying for them. But you did your part. You did your part. Paul said, I, I took responsibility. I, I, I made it clear. I wanted you to know that to convey the mission. And, and we have to keep that edge, I think, in knowing that there's opportunity all the time. See, I think a lot of times, and we've, I think we've learned, we've pushed through a lot of the consumer Christianity in these last couple of years. The really, Lord's really brought a work in, in us and through us. But sometimes what I'm really concerned about, we kind of, we get through things, we saw this with 9-11 a little bit. Get through it, like we're back into a new world, and now we kind of get on cruise control again when everything's, oh, everything's great. Good, I'm good, I'm happy about that, and we're getting back to normal, and we're hugs and high fives, and we're having, sharing bean dip together in groups. We're doing stuff again. It's great, right? But as we can get back like, oh, everything's better now. Well, what do we learn from? We grow it, but we don't lose that edge. I was, I don't, I was thinking about cruise control, how we kind of just get back. We love, maybe you love going on a cruise, but but here's the thing. I, I there was a, I didn't know about this this week, but in Long Beach, California, maybe you visited this in a museum down there. There is the Queen Mary. Okay, it's 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 a it's an, in the museum there, and you can tour it. It's it once it was a luxury cruise liner. 
that, that rich people would go, and it, it housed about 3,000 people, many more just, you know, two per room. And then what happened was in World War II, they commandeered it, and they made it to transport troops that ended up carrying 15,000. So they, they basically retrofitted it so it could have these troops in there. And I was thinking about how, how a, a cruise liner moves into become a warship. And then we need to be reminded is that we're not to join a cruise. I'm not saying don't go on a vacation. Go for it if you want to do that. But life isn't a cruise. Life isn't a cruise liner. Life is a warship that we're on and that we're huddling together and we're doing it. So we don't want to create cruise liner Christians. We want to be a part of the rescue mission for the lost, hurting, and broken in our community. That's why we're here, right? That's where we're part of what we're doing. There's an edge that we don't want to lose when things get easier. Paul's saying, I don't want to shrink back. I want to move forward. I heard someone say this, your bravery in doing this is someone else's future's breakthrough. You've done this before. People have helped you get to through, and they pushed the envelope, and now you're able to stand on the, on the shoulders as people have done that. It takes bold steps to include and invite. But know this, it's not our responsibility to receive it. It's only our responsibility to deliver it. I like what Peter says about this about King David, and reading back in Acts 13, where he's preaching to Antioch, he says this about David. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. What's our generation? Our generation is right now. Our generation is the people that God's placed in our life. The generation that's ahead of us, that are in a sense of like older than us, and the one that's behind us. We are involved in our circle, in, our, in fact, our generation. I don't know what your dying words would be, but I, I don't know for sure. I'll, I'll check with my wife if I go first on this. But uh, I think I want something on my gravestone like, he tried. Wouldn't that be really nice? He tried. I did all I know to do at the end of my life. And, and Paul is kind of saying this in these parting words. He says this. He says in verse 24, For I do not, I do not count my life any value nor as precious to my, myself. Only I've made it. I, I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In short, he's basically saying this, I have finished strong. I think about you at the end of the day, I, I want to be, and that'll be my parting words. I did, I know what I did, I did. I, 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 finished, I finished strong. And, and listen, we, we have a great culture of starters, right? Some of you could say from the beginning, you know, you've started a lot of things even this year. You've started a, a lot of diets this year already. You're on your third diet, okay? I get that. Like halfway you through it, and like, ah, that's not going to work. We've started, I've started a lot of puzzles, never finish, right? I have a lot of, I confess this, I have a lot of books that I'm about halfway through the book, okay? I have a book I pulled out a while back. I looked at it, and it was, uh, it's Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I'm halfway through the book. Thinking, oh, does that say something? I halfway know God. Well, I know God at the end of this book, right? But we have these things, and I think that the saying, oh, what was Paul saying? I, you, you have, you know, start well, but but finish well. In another place, when he is in the Roman prison, and we'll talk about all that happens, Paul at the end. You can read ahead and be a spoiler alert. There, we know we have these letters, or Paul is in prison, and so he says these words as he's in chains to the group. In Galatia, he says this, almost talking like a track meet being hosted. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Who cut in on you? 
Who was it that came along that discouraged you? Who, who came along that you were doing so well and they just dampered your, your enthusiasm? And I would say also, what came along? What, what, what threw you? There, there might have been a tragedy happening in your life. There might have been a crisis. There might have been, you know, something happened that got you off your game. Who pulled you away? What pulled you away? Paul's saying, persevere in the faith. Persevere in the faith. Can I give you just a, a little thing I've learned that's really helpful? How do I keep going, keep strong? One thing I learned, I can't do it by myself, okay? There's no way I can do life by myself at all, okay? If I, if I isolate myself, the hardest thing about the last two years is people have isolated yourself. The people I know that have isolated so in fact, you're watching right now and you're isolating yourself right now, you know this. You know that community really matters. That getting some, some type of form of people around you in a circle or on a square or on a Zoom or something to be able to go, I need people around me. That's why the men's group, it's mad group, it's men's accountability group. That, that accountability is so important. People that can speak in your life and you're, you're being honest and open. And when you sit in the group and, and people are going, yeah, well, me, me too. You're going through that? Yeah, me too. And you're, you're identifying, going, I'm not the weird person in the room. I, we all can identify what we're going through. And I tell you, when we're part of a group environment, it's so important not only to show up for yourself, but you're showing up for the group for other people too. Because sometimes you're in a group, it's not your night to share. In fact, the Lord would just want you to shut up, okay? And I'm not saying he's telling you to shut up. But there's a time you're like, I'm not going to be the talker in this group. I'm going to be the listener. I'm going to be the encourager. I'm, I'm going to help other people because it's not about all about me. But it, it can really grow you in your faith because there's this otherness that's formed in there. So Paul's saying, don't give up. Put people around you. Jump into verse 28 in Acts 20. He says this. He says, pay attention to yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained by his very own blood. Now, I have to preface, I don't know if I said it, emphasize it, Paul's actually speaking all this to a group of elders, okay, church leaders. But I think it applies to all of us. It implies that we all have roles in influencing, influencing one another, to be protectors of the flock, to care for one another, whether it's in our small group, whether it's the people that we love and we're invested in, they're invested in us. And that's why I would say this, Paul's saying this, I've invested deeply in God's community. I think what really matters is when we, we invest deeply in God's community. Yes, the church is an organization, but it's a family. It's, a, it's, it's, it's something when we get around in a group and we begin to share and we begin to talk and care for one another, that's the way God designed it to be. There's no other option. If you look through how God wants his mission to be fulfilled, it's only through the church. It's only through the church. He, this is his plan A. There's no plan B. We're it. What this means is, because sometimes we go, I wish just God would like put up a big, big screen in the sky and go, I'm here, I'm here. Well, guess what? That's already been done. It's called the internet right? It, you, information about God and who he is and all that. God, God already did that. He came as it, 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 he came incarnate. Emmanuel, God with us, he already showed up and he already displayed himself and he already died on the cross and through Christ and he rose again. We, it's already happened. And now we are the extension of the body of Christ. We are incarnate now of Christ to the, to the world. There's no other plan. And yet what I see over and over is that people people love Jesus, but they don't they don't like the church any longer. 
You maybe know people like that. We talked last week of the nuns and the duns. I'm done with those people. The, the challenge with that is a little bit is like, imagine, guys, you, you, you uh, say to, hey, bro, I really love you. You're a great friend, but I can't stand your wife. You're going to get punched, <laughs> right? You're gonna, you're, you're, we're not going to be friends too long if you're going to diss my wife. Now, I might complain about my wife or whatever, you know, or a friend complains like my wife. I'm struggling and all that. But if you start not liking his wife, guess what? You're not going to be that friend so long. In the same way, if, if, if you know, ladies, if you're talking to a friend and, they're, and, and you're like, oh, your husband. Like, at some point, that's not going to work out, right? And it's the same way with the church. We can, we can love Jesus but it's, and, 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 and not love the church. I don't know if you can do that really healthy in both ways. You, it's both, they both go together. Now, because Christ, he's the bridegroom, and we're the bride. We're the church, right? We're to love the, the bridegroom and we're to love the bride but the bride's not perfect it's not perfect it's not pristine it's it, it, it's every time you walk into this place it's not perfect every time i walk in here it's not perfect and yet this is the work god's called us to to be devoted to one another in deep community now jumping in verse 29 paul gets specific and he talks about shepherds in the church and he gives a sober warning so remember there, there's this care and there is a pay attention to the flock why because he says this i know after my departure fierce wolves will come among you not sparing the flock and from among you your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them and then he says this therefore be alert be alert. Be watchful of this. I mean, that was a, they're like, what? what are, what's going to happen? And we all watch National Geographic, right? We, we've seen the, the caribou out there on its own, apart from the herd. And we're like, this is not good. This is some lions are licking their lips and the hyenas are gathering around and this isn't good. And we see it like, ah. And then our children are watching like, oh, I think we should turn the channel. Like, is this, you know, is it, oh, this is the real world. This is happening. And that's the same thing in our lives, right? We have to be we have to be like, if you isolate yourself, if you go pulled away from the herd, you're going to get attacked. It's for every single one of us. And so we have to be protectors. So if someone's kind of drifting a little bit, you know, I haven't seen them for a while. Your role. Give them a call. Text them. Haven't heard from you. Well, they ghosted me. Well, keep reaching out. You're doing your part to reach out to them. See, I, and I've learned this, is, is that the best way to deepen your walk with Jesus is to get involved in other people's lives, to grow with them. If you, you're going to find that you're helping other people do that, because what happens is you're, they'll come to you, and they're curious, hey, I've got this question, I've got this question, I'm like, I don't know, what do I do? I go back to the Bible and look it up myself. Oh, I just grew, grew a little bit from it. I didn't know that. Also, your prayer life goes up a lot when you're working with people, because people have problems and difficulties, and a lot of them. You had your problems, and you put their, their problems. And you're like, we just got to pray more. Yeah. What are we praying for? Strength, wisdom, and, and for selflessness, because that's the maturity that comes with it. In fact, kind of leaning in that to a little bit more, Paul says this, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that th these hands ministered uh, to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all these things, I've shown you by working hard, this way we might help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And I find that very interesting. Be a couple things. First is, oh, we're kind of like, it's one of those phrases, more blessed to give than receive. 
How many knew that was in the Bible? Did you know that was in the Bible? Okay, some of you read your Bibles, all right? And, and, and I, but it sounds like those phrases that sounds like it's in the Bible, but it's not in the Bible, right? Like God helps those who help themselves, by the way, not in the Bible, okay? This phrase is, and then Paul goes on, he says, oh, you know how like Jesus used to tell us all the time? I'm like, Paul, I don't think Jesus, I don't have, I don't read anywhere he said that. Like I read all the gospels. Well, we just got to remember that as John at the end of his gospel says, hey, if we recorded everything that Jesus said and done, we wouldn't have enough books to fill the world, right? So Jesus, they must have heard Jesus say, I don't know why the gospel writers, that that was a common thing that Jesus said, why it was included, but Paul did, and he heard it. And, and I think it's encouragement for us is this, is that at the end of the day, Paul's saying this, lastly, is what really matters is I, I gave more than I took. I gave more than I took. I don't know if that's good English, but it works. Asking, you know, ask a parent, ask a coach, ask, you know, you in your life. You know, I mean, you remember when your kids or grandkids and they're opening a birthday or Christmas gift and they just light up, you know, just like, oh, it's here. I can't believe I got it. And, and you know, it's Santa. And like, no, it was me. I spent a bunch of money. One day you'll know, you know, but you, they, you love it when they light up about it, right? There's nothing better than seeing people light up, lit up about the Lord and see what happens and work through it. It's, it's moving us to this place of maturity, of living a place of a life of generosity. Here's the question at the end. Of, are, are, will you be a giver rather than a taker? Can I encourage you here? If you're more of a taker than a giver, it's your turn now. It's your turn now to go, am I, am I taking too much from people? Listen, it doesn't mean you don't have needs. It doesn't mean you, I don't ever want here, and I've seen this before, people don't talk about their needs, they don't talk about their weaknesses, they don't talk because they've kind of ascended to maturity. Well, that's stinking pride. That's not God, right? Paul's admitting his weaknesses. He, all through the scriptures, he, in his epistles, he writes about his weaknesses. It doesn't mean you don't admit, admit those, but you, you talk about it, but you're always in need, always in need, getting all the attention. That, that's, that's immaturity. It's moving toward going, I'm going to be other-centered in my small group. I'm going to be other-centered with my friend and my, my family, my, my, my spouse, you know? Guys, you know, how are we growing in maturity, being, being givers to our wives rather than takers? And, and, you know, wives, husbands have needs, of course, and, and, and your, your parent, your parenting, and your friendships, and some of you are kind of working through, you're kind of in a sandwich generation right now. You're caring for aging parents as well as you're caring for your own children. Some of them, like, are adults, and you're still caring for them. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you're just like, did you do this? Like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's called being an adult, okay? You, you got to pay your taxes, okay? Things like that. No, no personal uh, stories with that at all, uh, my kids. But all that to say is all these things we do, it is, a, it's not just self-appointed martyrdom. It's saying, I'm, I'm moving toward giving. I'm supporting the work. Mature people give. More mature people give and sacrifice and service to the, to the Lord in, in many different ways. It's more blessed to give than receive. At the end, Paul, Paul leads this. He says, he, he leaves off with basically this. When he's done with this, he says, when he had said these things, he knelt down, prayed with them all, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul, kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. That was it. You read through 21 through 23, he's 
makes it to Rome, or oh shoot, I gave that away. You'll get to there. He makes it to Jerusalem. Shoot, I was going to be the punchline later. Uh, he gets it to, to, to uh, Jerusalem. Oh, I let the cat out of the bag. Part of it is what God's going to do in Rome. It had to do with Rome. It had to do with what we end up finding. We'll read about this in a couple weeks where Paul goes to Rome and we see the transformation. And do, do you know really, a lot of times we go like, where's the birthplace of Christianity? We know it's in Jerusalem, but guess what? Rome had a big part of the whole world knowing Christ. There's a, there's a cross in the Roman Colosseum today. Paul, God used in, in, in sacrifice and things. I wonder one day if we'll have an opportunity to, uh, I think we will. We'll go to heaven because we'll all be the all eternity. Will we all get a shot at having coffee with Paul? I hope I do. Will there be coffee in heaven? Please, Lord, Jesus, you know, you, you know, will we need it? That'll be a question. But we'll be able to sit down with him. Paul, 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 um, was, it, was it worth it? I think you probably go, that's a dumb question. It's a thousand times worth it. It was worth it. It's at the end of persevering and sacrificing and giving and, and people. And everybody told me not to go that way, and I did. And, and what happened, and we'll look at that here in a, in a couple weeks. Famous last words. Paul stepped away from his lecture and, and got on that ship. But can I tell you, there's, a, there's another last words that would happen. We're going into the last week of Jesus. The last words were spoken on a Roman crucifix. As we go to prayer, as we move into this final week of reflecting on Jesus, these last words, these last words, what did Jesus say? So many different words he shared, seven different phrases, a few of them. And you gotta know that when Jesus' last words, it was a strain. Every time that he spoke them, he had to take a breath, and it was excruciating pain. He would say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. Later, he spoke these words when he heard the thief on the cross and, and saying, Jesus, you know, will you let me in? Will you, can I go with you, the kingdom that you prepared? And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And then some of those last words, he says, it is finished. The work that he did on the cross, that the, everything was accomplished for, for our sin and for all humanity. And then finally, those very last words he lifted up. Father, in my hands I commit my spirit. Those are the words, those last words that really matter. What will be your last words? In fact, as, as Hillary and Chris come, let me ask this. Are you living for what really matters? Are you living for what really matters? Your last words are wonderful, and they'll, they'll mean something, but they won't mean a whole lot until the life that you live backs them up. Will you live this week to what really matters up until your dying day? Will you pray with me? Yesterday we gathered here in this place and we remembered a life that was lived and, and we, we hung on to some of the last moments of Rosemary's life and, and what she meant to the people that were in that room that touched so many lives in so many unique different ways. And Lord, there'll be a day where, where others will be saying about us and our last words and our last memories. Lord, may they matter. Will they matter? Will, will, it, will it not be shown how big a bank account we have and how much real estate we own and all the positions and titles that we have and degrees next to our name? May it be about how we impacted lives, the very ones that we loved and are nearest, Lord. We know that to be the case, but Lord, 
what if we live that way that this would be the last week of our life? It would, it would mean something. It would mean something. It would really show us what really matters. God, thank you for the reset. Thank you for the reset, the sobering week that we enter in. As we look at, and, and, and we call it a holy week because it was a holy work that you did. But I also love it's a passion week. The passion, Lord, of you. For it was the joy set before him that you, Lord, you endured the cross for us. As we remember that this week, Lord, may we consecrate ourselves. May we just set aside clutter. May we set aside the distractions that we can take this time and, and really, truly focus on you and who you are. But, Lord, may we not do it for just ourselves this week. May we bring people along in the journey as well. People along and be able to talk about what it is and what you've done. Lord, may we, we, may we be getters this week more than, than, than takers. May we give of ourselves to what really matters, these souls that truly, truly need you. Lord, as we, we remember the cross on Good Friday, it's good because of Sunday's coming. And we celebrate the resurrection. It's not to be selfish for us, but inviting people into this place, inviting people into this space, into this, this opportunity to really see what, it really, what really matters is you. And that our faith is built on that firm foundation. And it was be, it's because of that, Lord, we love you. It's because of that that we find who we are that's in you and what truly matters. I pray for those here that, boy, there's a lot of, I, I feel like there's some that, yeah, they're, they're kind of just like, I kind of feel like quitting. And maybe, Lord, they're not saying quitting on the outside because they've got to keep, they keep face and they've got to keep, you know, respect of others, that that matters more than anything to them. And, and rather than, but they're kind of quitting on the inside. They're kind of going through the motions. Oh, Lord, may this week not be about that. May it be about an emotion. May it be about we're in the moment and, and with one another of all that you've done, Lord. May we not miss this week of remembering you and celebrating you and all that you've done in us. And also then you work through us, Lord. Lord, may we hang on to truly, truly what really matters. We pray this in Jesus' name.